I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to read a mass of this text. I'm going to read the first 49 verses of chapter 15. And the reason is I want you to see it all come together. Okay, uh, and, and if you remember, those of you who've been with me for a while, when I get into a new section, I spend one message on here it is. All right, and then we will draw it down to its smaller thoughts. Uh, if you'll look at your outline, you'll see our resurrected bodies, part A. Okay, you should be very nervous when I put part A in the title. Okay, uh, because I know the Greek alphabet too. All right, so it could be like a lot of parts. All right, everybody's looking at me thinking, he's warning us, and we're laughing. <laughs> so let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll read the first 49 verses of 15, and then you'll see this package that the Apostle Paul has put together. Father, we come before your throne, uh, the author and finisher of our faith. Father, you who spoke existence into being, Lord, we come to hear you. Father, let them not hear the man. Let them hear the spirit of the living God as your word has been given to us for our encouragement, for our strengthening. And yet, Father, to show us the day and the age in which we live. Father, help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, let us be overwhelmed with love and joy for your word. Father, let us be overwhelmed with joy to be in the fellowship of the saints, to the glory of the risen King. In Christ, in Christ alone. Amen. Beginning at chapter 15, verse 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died, for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. And last of all, to one untimely born, He appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles. I am not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether it was I or they, so we preach. And so you believed. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testify against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who are asleep. 
For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in its own order, Christ, the firstfruits. After that, those who are in Christ at his comings. And then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God and Father, and when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are in subjection... It is evident that he is, that he is expected to put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what will those do who are baptized for the dead if the dead are not raised at all? Why then are they baptized for them? Why are we also in danger every hour? I affirm, brethren, by boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If from human motives I fought wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought. And stop sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And what kind of body do they come? You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body, which is to be, but the bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds of the body of his own. All the flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, another f- of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. The glory of the heavenly the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is a glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for the stars differ from the star of, in glory, from, differ from star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not the first but the natural, then the spiritual. First man is from earth, earthly. The second man is from heaven. And as is the earthly, so also are those who are earthly. And as is heavenly, so also those who are heavenly. Just as we were born in the image of the earthly, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Brothers and sisters, that is a lot of stuff right there. And it just gets deeper 
Okay, here's the issue that is dealing with. This is not a doctrinal thesis, a theological error that he is dealing with. He is furious. Okay, you do not see when you use the phrase, do not be deceived. You know what that means? You had an idea what was going on and then something had to deceive you. Okay. And he is what the church in Corinth is the church in America today. The outside has come in in such a massive way that the church now is starting to look like the world. Looks just like the world. All right. And, and this is an amazing text. You need to understand something. This letter in its chronological order. All right, is the first letter that we have speaking in detail about the resurrection. The four gospels hasn't been written. Okay, we don't have a lot of information. Romans has not been written yet. So we don't really have information on this resurrection. But it is obvious, if you look at the book of Acts, you look what Jesus taught, and all the way down the board, <clears throat> the resurrection is vitally important. The first 11 verses of chapter 15, he says, look, this is the evidence that I have of the resurrection. The first evidence, the foundational evidence that you and I have for the resurrection is according to the scriptures. It's according to the scriptures. I mean, that in itself ought to be enough to sell us. But then he says, guess what? Cephas saw him. Peter. Now listen, Peter was brought into it because what did Peter do? He denied him. He denied him. He says, then there's all the disciples, all of the men in the upper room, all of those who had kind of disappeared at the crucifixion. He became witness. And then he said that there were 500 or better when he ascended. And they all saw him. And then he says, you know what? Not only is that a good witness, the scripture's a good witness, and Peter's a good witness. His half-brother, who was a skeptic during his ministry, he saw him. And how much did he how how real was it to James? James becomes the first pastor of the first Baptist church of Jerusalem. Okay? He is if he's looked at as the pastor of the church. All right, he says, but then guess what? One who persecuted the church, one who wanted to stop this heresy saw him. That's a pretty good board of witnesses right there, people. And he says, because of that, then in verse 12, he says, how can some say there is no resurrection? There's over 600 witnesses. How can you say that there is no resurrection? Oh, by the way, how did you get saved if there's no resurrection? But I see the same fight today. I see people who want Jesus as Savior. And then they'll come up with this wonderful theology that I'll make him Lord later. Guess what? He's Lord. You don't make him Lord. Okay? And I see this and I said, well, that's crazy. But what what are we trying to do? Well, yeah, I believe Jesus paid for my sins, but there is no resurrection. So the next argument that would come about is, well, okay, we will believe that Jesus was resurrected, but that has really no bearing on us. 
I mean, you know, we are just a little divine seed and when our body dies, then we get absorbed into the cosmic deity. And that was the teaching of the day. You hear it today, brothers and sisters. It probably isn't as blunt as I state it. But there is this mishmash almost of mysticism that goes in that says that we become these freed spirits in Christ. What the heck is that? I came out of the 60s and 70s. I knew what the free spirit was. But I'm thinking Jesus had no part of it. All right? But I watched this. Why do so many in the body of Christ today seek an experience? I want to have a liver quiver. I want the hair to stand up on my neck. You know, ask a person, did you worship today? And they said, yes. It was wonderful. How do you know you worship? Dude, the band was rocking. Really? You've never seen the Grateful Dead, have you? That's a spiritual experience. I'm thinking it ain't Jesus, but hey. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? It's still here. Paul isn't dealing with a doctrinal thesis here. He says, listen, I made known to you, brethren, the gospel that I preached to you. You received it. You stand in it if you hold fast to it. And what is that gospel? You cannot separate literal, physical resurrection and have good news. It's impossible. It's impossible. But we looked in the last few weeks and just passed that says that you get rid of the resurrection, you're getting rid of incentive, motive. The motive of the resurrection is gone. Why would a person come to salvation if there is no resurrection? Why would a person throw his or her life away for Jesus Christ in service if there is no resurrection? Why would a person bow to sanctification if there is no resurrection? That's what we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. And I asked that same question. I asked that same question. And and yet, I watch us over and over. We gather here. We are aware of the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Aren't we? We, we we understand that it's a foundational principle of Christianity. We understand that it is the foundation of the, of the Christian testimony. It is the foundation of the gospel. It is the hope of our faith. He rose. We will rise. That's why he uses the term first fruit. First fruit, that's a guarantee. When when the the Jews would offer their sacrifices of their grain crops, they would give the first cutting here to God, all of it. Why? Because he guarantees me the second. And it's a faith to step out. Jesus Christ is the first fruit. Jesus Christ, his resurrection is the guarantee of our resurrection. John Five, Jesus says there is a bodily resurrection of the just and the unjust, some to life and some to damnation, to judgment. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 23, makes these (coughs) words. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, remember what first fruits are, First fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, 
waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons. The what? Redemption of our bodies. And there's days that I groan more than other days. Well, I do. I got up this morning and when the weather changes, my niece says, weather's changing. It's not usually that polite about it. I got up this morning and groaned for resurrection. I have a resurrected knee. <laughs> I'm not trying to be picky. I'll just take one. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 2, he says, For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. That's resurrection, brothers and sisters. That's resurrection. That's what he's talking about. He says, I want out of this vessel. I want to be clothed in immortality, sinless perfection. Listen, here's the thing that I want you to keep thinking about when you think about resurrection, a physical, literal resurrection. God created man as a whole. Okay? God will redeem man as a whole, body and spirit. Body and spirit. Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 44, No man comes unto me, lest the Father draws him. Then I will raise him on the last day. I mean, it's, it's like that's the ultimate act of, of, of salvation is the raising of those at that last day who are in Christ. I receive that resurrected body, that holy body, that pure body, that sinless, immortal body that will go with my immortal spirit. But there's philosophy out there. As with the church in Corinth, the Greeks taught, okay? The Greeks taught that the body is evil, okay? And they said that the body is just a, a simple prison of evil material. It's a decaying thing. And all it does is imprison the spirit. Okay? The New Testament says that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. All right? But some believe that it's just this. It's what I call Flip Wilson theology. The devil made me do it. Okay? Because of my body. And I'll be honest with you, the flesh is an awesome um, force in our life. But there are people today who believe that it's just this prison in my look for the day when my spirit is freed to the cosmic deity. And it's, it's like the Star Wars, the force be with you. Okay, what's tragic is that's in the church. But I take comfort to know it was in the church in Corinth. <laughs> it isn't like it's a new thing. We like to think we've got newer insights, don't we? Listen, 
the body, the physical, literal body, is something that will be with us throughout eternity. Yes, it's going to be changed. It'll be transformed into a way that I haven't really got a handle on it. Okay? God will raise it. God will raise it in the last day. Okay? Absolutely. But listen, if there's no resurrection, why are people getting saved? That's what the Apostle Paul is arguing here. Not only that, the resurrection is the gospel. But see, the next argument that's going to come up, I mean, there is no resurrection. He's, he blasts that thing out of the water in the first 11 verses. Well, then Jesus is going to, Jesus got raised, but it has no effect on you. Well, he just got done blasting that in 12 through 34. Okay? But now you get the skeptics. Okay? This isn't a person who's struggling with unbelief. This is the skeptic. Because what we're going to start dealing with in the next few weeks is the question in verse 35. There's two questions in verse 35. Right? But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? Okay? That's the skeptic. How are you going to get your uh, carcass out of the dirt? And what's it going to look like? Besides dirty. Okay? You talk, Paul, about this bodily, physical resurrection of the dead... Explain how that can possibly happen. Explain how that could possibly happen. See, now he's starting to deal with the skeptics. See, you can have people who doubt. Listen, I've got to be honest with you. I've never seen a resurrected body. Sorry. Uh, and it probably if I did, it would just scare the bees. Uh, you know, just leave me alone someplace. Okay. But if you have a mindset that says the body is this prison and it's dust and you, you kind of have that mindset uh, from the human viewpoint, resurrection is ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> you've got to ask questions. How does it get out of the dirt? Okay, I remember, you know, people talking about being caught up in the air. You better buy a car with a sunroof. Because, dude, that's going to hurt to go right through that roof. I mean, you get up there with your big old knot on your head and your eyes all water and saying, hey, Jesus, what's up? What was that all about? Well, you know what you just said? I ain't getting in the house. I'm standing outside till Christ returns. I don't want him to knock me out on the way up. Maybe you guys don't think that way, but that's the way I think. There is also some philosophy of the times and some rabbinical teachings that I think sway in here that you need to pay attention to. Because this church in Corinth would have had a combination of Jewish believers uh, and and Greek believers. Um, Most rabbis, 
Okay, even the rabbis, if you run into a conservative uh, Jew today, um, will believe this way, that you're resurrected identically to the body that you have now. Okay, some of us go, oh man, (laughs) that's depressing. (laughs) All right, and some of us say, yeah, so what? Anyway, in a book called The Apocalypse of Baruch, um, please don't go try to dig it up. It's not that good a read. Um, the prophet Baruch states this, quote, Any change when men rise, the earth shall then assuredly restore the dead. It shall make no more change in form, but as it has received, show it, so it shall be restored, unquote. Okay, that's the normal teaching of the Jew. Uh, at the time of the writing of 1 Corinthians, but it's also the normal teaching of, of conservative Judaism today, is that what you bury uh, will come back up. And, and I know Christians who believe this because, you know, it says, well, how will we know everybody? I mean, it says we'll know everybody's name when we get to heaven. What do they have name badge? Hello, my name's Peter. Uh, no, I, listen, you're going to know as he knows, which would imply you know. Okay, not only that, you can look at him and say, you know how many hairs you got on your head? I do. Uh, just kidding. Okay, but a lot of people say same body in, same body out. Okay? Um, and, and on the Jewish side, I will give them benefit of the doubt because the book of Job says, though the worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Okay, so they believed a Jew who gives any time or credence to the scriptures would say, you know what, you're going to get a resurrected body. Okay, but here's what would be funny. The Greeks would look at this and say, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. Let's be realistic, brothers and sisters. Physical little resurrection from the dead. Has anybody seen that? I remember one time when I picked up this old guy I was riding with an ambulance company and I picked this guy up in uh, Littleton and uh, we went into his house and everybody was out talking. To, you know, had all the firemen there and everything. Anyway. So I said, well, where's the patient? And I had the stretcher. I go back into the back and I come around the corner and this guy's sitting up in a chair and I look at him and the, the, the medical term for it is ashen gray. Okay, and he's got that look in his eyes that says, bye. Okay, and I looked at this. Everybody's out front talking, and I'm sitting there going, we may need to corner. <laughs> we mean, I need the fire department here. So I lay him down, get a little more color in him, but I was watching this guy's body leave. Okay, you could see the life leaving. Right? I have been around people who have died. And you watch death take the place of life. Okay? But here's the thing. This guy, I threw a pair of, uh, I don't even know if they use them anymore, mast pants on them. They're like a big inner tube that goes from your belly down. And then you call and the doctor says you can inflate. You start at the bottom and you inflate up. And you're trying to get blood volume back up and so we fl- we we inflated the 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 lower part and still ash and gray man well get the next chamber so still ash and gray man 
do that, the, the belly part of it. Okay, we got color. <laughs> We're coming. <laughs> okay, it's just, you just keep squeezing it enough, you get all the blood up in his head. <laughs> no, but, I mean, that's really how, that's the theory that's behind it. I mean, it sounds awful, but that's exactly what you're doing. What? You're putting a tourniquet on and you're just sliding it up. <laughs> just And, you know, he came back. But you could see the color come back. You could see the what I call the twinkle in the eye come back. And you've seen all that come back. But here's the difference that I want to tell you about that. That guy didn't die. Okay? Now, he got close. But he didn't die. Okay? That is not the resurrection I'm talking about. It is not even the resurrection of Lazarus. Lazarus went and died. I mean, don't get me wrong, to be buried in your grave clothes and start stinking, um, you're dead, and it was resur- that's not the resurrection I'm talking about. And I'm going to have to say over these next few weeks and months, try to explain to you something that my mortal mind is going to have to grab immortality. That'll work well. I've always had a lot of success with that. Okay, you know, people ask me about heaven, I say there's no sin. I don't know what that means. Okay, so do you understand that when I think about this text, I can understand the skeptics. I can understand the skeptics. Um, there was a guy I knew. Um, he lived up in Parker. Uh, Thirty days ago, he was diagnosed with colon cancer. He died last week. Okay, and of course they had the open casket and all the rest of it. That wasn't the same guy. And that was 30 some odd days ago. Ain't the same guy. Okay, and I think about this text, the same in is the same out. I don't want to come back looking like that. Because he looked tough. And the Greeks would have grabbed a hold of this saying the same one in and the same one out. That's the silliest thing. Celsus, a philosopher of the age, said that that is the hope of worms. Unquote. What kind of theology is that? Better yet, who wants that? I would prefer that my spirit would be free and the force would be... Just part of it. Okay? Because the argument's going to come in verse 35. How are the dead raised? How? How are they raised? Better yet, oh, what kind of body do they become? What are, what are they going to look like? Does it, I mean, what is it? Are they going to be like male and female? I remember a guy one time, a conservative evangelical said (laughs) that we're all resurrected as 33-year-old males. And I was like, well, isn't that a pleasant thought? Okay, I remember what I was like at 33. That was silly. I guess he hadn't read chapter 15. Okay? Listen, Paul is banging away. There's going to be a resurrection. Okay? And I'm, I mean, let's be realistic. Up to verse 34, he just beats them ragged. 
And what verse 35 is would be the conclusion of the first 34 verses. All right, fine. You say there's a resurrection? What's it going to be like and how are you going to get out of the ground? This text has been argued as the flaw in Christianity. A physical resurrection. Because you will be hard pressed not to find somebody who has not seen death and decay. Uh, I seen a decaying deer on my way over that had died. Okay? And then the question is then, as it is now, how does it happen? How does it work? And you know what? You get asked it. I get asked it on a regular basis. I do. Here's how it's worded. What does the Bible teach about cremation? That's how it's asked. See, the question ain't, can you be cremated? Is do I want to be a resurrected pile of ash? What if they do something really weird like drive down the highway and pour me out the window? How will God get it all back together? Uh, listen, uh, when the missionaries went into the island of Japan back during the summer, uh, samurai, when they were there, they talked to the resurrection. You know what the samurais did? They would behead the missionaries and then take and ride the heads to the northern end of the island. So they figured if they could separate enough heads and enough of the bodies, then God wouldn't be able to resurrect them. He wouldn't be able to get the right head on the right body. How are you going to resurrect this? I get it asked this way. What happens to like all the people who die at sea? And you've got all of these bones in the bottom of the ocean. How do you... It's like God's massive jigsaw puzzle. Getting the foot bone to the knee bone to the hip bone and oh, it's a girl. It's a whip wrong. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> Paul discussed this with uh, King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, verse 8. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does not raise the dead? See, the question's been there for a while. How does God raise the dead? How does God raise a Christian who got cremated? How does God raise a Christian who may have been in a World Trade Center and all they got was fragments? How how does God do that? How can he accomplish this? How could this happen? That's the question in 35. And you know, this next idea is solely for my wife because my wife says there's just certain ways to answer things. And I think, yeah, I would agree. In verse 36, you fool. He just beats around the bush. You know, let me make it clear. It literally, you fool, doesn't do the text justice. Okay? Because it really means you senseless one. 
Listen, that is a rebuke for someone who's mocking someone who's a skeptic. Okay, so he's given proof of the resurrection. He's given the folly of no resurrection. And then he says, then your next question is, how does that work? In his love and compassion, he blurts out, you senseless one. (laughs) I love Paul. Just, you know, let's really hash out the matter. Because see, look, I'm gonna, this is going to, I'm going to give this to you because it's going to deal with our resurrected bodies is that there is a principle. Okay. And, and what we're going to look at in the next few weeks is the illustration of the resurrection. But, but, but he will also deal. What is the form of the resurrection? What does it look like? What, what will it be like? But then he uses a contrast to even further clarify the resurrection. And then he gives a living example of the resurrection. And that takes us through verse 49. So if you haven't figured it out, we got a lot of work to do because on your outline, I only have the illustration and it has three sub points. I may get this done before we get our resurrected bodies. But listen, when all is said and done, (laughs) when all is said and done, there shouldn't be any question in light of our limited understanding. Please. All right. I cannot tell you what a resurrected body is. I have no concept of it. I can tell you theological understanding for it, that it's true. But the illustration that you see is in verses 35 to 38. That which you sow does not come back to life unless it dies. Have you ever thought about that? Kill the seed so it'll grow a plant. Do what? Yeah. That's what you do. Craziest thing I ever heard of. Craziest thing I ever heard of. So there is a dying, there is a difference, and there is a desire. And we'll deal with that in the weeks to come. But I wanted you to think about this because if you're really honest with you, now listen, I want to be honest with you here. You think about it, a physical, literal resurrection, and how ridiculous is that? Okay? That's, that's some crazy stuff, people. But as a believer, I believe because I've been to his tomb and he ain't there. And I've been around Israel enough to say, you know what? If they had something, we'd be worshiping it. All right? It's that simple. We ain't got nothing. He ain't there. And he says he would return as he left. Okay? And I've also seen the work of the resurrection and changed lives. And you cannot deny that. Okay. Are there frauds out there? Well, duh. There's been fraud since Cain. I mean, that frauds ain't new. But the thing that you're going to have to pay attention to is when people come to you and ask you, what about the bones at the bottom of the ocean? I'm thinking God can get them back together. 
Okay, and then I'll show you that you're going to get another body. But you got to get a hold of this. It is going to be a physical, literal body. It's going to be unique. It's going to be yours. And I'm going to be able to identify you and you're going to be able to identify me. And we are going to have a blast. And it don't matter whether you cremate that person. It doesn't matter you sink them to the bottom of the ocean. You know what? It doesn't even matter if you feed them to the lions. God has got it figured out. Putting that body together is really not going to be that difficult, being that he started with a pile of dirt and he breathed into it. All right? We got to figure out where it started, and then after that, it's a piece of cake. But you will be ridiculed. And you know what? I'll smile at him. With my biggest, most effervescent, bubbly smile, and say, You senseless one. <laughs> Wait, I'm quoting scripture. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with that? Everybody looks at me like, He'll say it. Yeah, so, all right. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the resurrection. I thank you for my brother Paul. I thank you for giving us understanding. Lord, this is powerful stuff that you have shown me. And Lord, I just pray that my brothers and sisters will hunger and thirst for the groaning to be released from these bodies with the precious treasure that you have offered us in front. It says it is coming. Resurrected, glorified bodies with no ability to sin that will only reflect the glory of you who spoke existence into being. Father, I praise you. I praise you for the resurrection. I praise you for your word. I praise you for the amazing things you have done. And Father, with an expectation of things you shall do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. To your glory and praise. Amen.